Hey, Pastor Stephen here. Welcome to the Abundant Springs podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check us out online at AbundantSprings.Church. And now, on to this week's message. One day there was a, a group of guys and they were in the locker room at the local golf club when a telephone began to ring and one of the men picked up the phone and put it on speaker and said, hello? And the woman on the other end of the line said, hey honey, are you over at the club? And I said, yeah. She said, okay, okay, great. Well, you'll never guess. I, I was at the, the mall and I found this amazing leather jacket. I've just fallen in love with it. Well, how much does it cost? Well, it's only $1,000. Can I get it, honey? Can I get it? And he said, well, well sure. Go ahead and, and treat yourself. Get it. And she said, okay, well, also, I was, I was driving past the Mercedes dealership today and they've got the new 2020s out and, and man, they were really, really nice. Well, how much, how much are they? $60,000. And he said, oh, well, if that's all it costs, then you need it fully loaded. Get, get the thing fully loaded. And she said, oh, well, one more thing, honey. Also, you know that house that we were looking at last year? Well, it's back on the market for $950,000. The man said, well, you make an offer for $900,000 and, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, honey, well, I love you. And he says, I love you too. And hangs up the phone and all the men around him are just staring at him dumbfounded. And he looks up and holds the phone and says, anybody know whose phone this is? Really, it's really easy to be generous with things that aren't ours, right? It's really easy to be generous when, when it's somebody else's money, when it's someone else's time, when it's someone else's resources. And the interesting thing is, is, is we've been talking the last number of weeks about principles of generosity, and, and we've been noticing that at the end of the day, it, it turns out, nothing we have is actually truly ours, right? God has gifted it to us. He has provided it to us, given it to us as stewards. We are managers investing his resources. And so if we live life according to that concept, according to that principle, you would think that we would naturally come to a place of generosity. But the fact of the matter is, though, is that that's not our default when we look at our resources, our possessions, our our time, our money, any of that stuff. Our default is to say it's mine, that it, it belongs to me. I earned it, right? We, we talked about this stuff. Until today, we've been talking about generosity in the sphere of all that God has given us. Last week, we talked about time. Uh, the week before, we, we talked about something because they all blend together in my, my mind, having written them and put them together. You'd think I'd remember it more, but... You know, we've, we've looked at all these different things. And today, we're, we're going to finish off the series by, by doing probably the most uncomfortable one of these for us to talk about. And, and that's about money. We're going to talk about being generous with money. Now, what I, I want to say is I'm not talking today about tithing. Okay? Uh, I'm not talking about this idea of, of giving 10% of, of our income to God or, or anything like that. Um, you know, that there is something that we need to, I think, get away from having our entire generosity paradigm wrapped around. And there's a few reasons for that. The first reason for that is because it's all God's. It's all God's. And so to say, well, if we can just hit this, this number, then we're all good. I'm just going to close this door here because I can, I can hear people having fun down there. And, and while that's great, I like to not get distracted. You know, it, it's great 
It's all, it's all God's. We, we give him a portion of our, our income uh, to say, hey, I, I trust you, Lord, to say, hey, uh, I want to give back to you. Thank you, God, for what you've done for me. But the interesting thing is, is that when you look at the principle of giving a tenth, it doesn't actually work out because if you look at what the Hebrews actually gave, it actually works out to a number more around 23.3% of their income that they gave to the temple, that they gave in offerings and sacrifices and all of these sorts of things. In fact, if you begin to look at, rather than the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, you, if you begin to look at the New Testament, which is the part of the Bible that was written after Jesus' death and resurrection, you begin to see a very difficult or a very different paradigm for generosity. It's a paradigm of generosity that is not, does not boil down to a specific, you need to meet this threshold and that's the threshold. But in fact, it's something that calls to more, but also could call some people to less in certain situations. See, the paradigm of New Testament giving is something that does not have a minimum or a maximum threshold. It doesn't have something where if you just hit this point, you're good with God. It doesn't have something where, where, you know, you have to starve yourself to get to this point. So our goal today is, is not to say, man, everyone needs to give this percentage. But instead, it's to recognize that we are generous in our finances and that we give to God first. Now, for, for me and my family, for, for my wife and I, we, we actually, we give a little bit above a, a tithe. That, that's just what we felt like God has put on our hearts. We give more than. But I say that just to make you all understand that when I talk about biblical generosity, I'm not saying that this is for you and it's not for me. You know, I, I, I don't presume to be one of those people that passes around the plate and says, God's only going to bless you if you give or any of these kind of things. We're, we're not trying to get a, a, a Lexus or a Learjet or any of that kind of stuff. Okay. This is, this is something that we do. We give because it's a biblical principle. It helps us as we're going to see in a little bit here. It also helps God's work in our community. And so my family gives a certain amount. And we're always seeking God's will on what that amount should be. What's so amazing, so fascinating, when we come to the place where we recognize that this isn't about meeting a certain threshold, but that it's about honoring God with whatever it is that he says to do with our resources. For those that have only a little, suddenly... It frees them from a place of going, I want to give, but I have to eat. I want to give, but I'm already in the cheapest vehicle I can afford and the cheapest place I can afford and eating beans and rice and there's nothing left over. Like, how am I supposed to, to give 10%? But it also challenges those of us that have more. Because, see, I actually believe that 10% when you have an abundance becomes kind of a, a cop-out. I've, I've hit the 10% threshold and I'm done. You know, I, I've hit this place and, and so it's all mine after that. But that's not the case. And so today, because I think that we're going to need a lot of grace 
And, and I'm going to need God's grace as, as we talk about this because nobody likes the pastor to talk about what's in their wallet. Let's pray. Lord God, today I just ask right now in this place that you will touch our hearts, that you will touch our minds, that you will help us not to just write anything off, but that you'll, you'll really help us to understand the heart behind this message, that it's not about increasing a church's uh, finances. It's not about a pastor's finances, but Lord, that it, it's truly about living according to principles of generosity that you have put out there so that your work can be done effectively through us, through your church, and in your kingdom, Lord God. Today, Jesus, I just ask that, that you will help me, Lord Jesus, to, to speak clearly and to, to speak with grace. And I ask that you'll take these feeble human words that I'm about to speak and make them something worthwhile through the power of your Holy Spirit in your name. Amen. Amen. So I think we really quickly need to touch on why do Christians give? Why do we give in the first place? Right? And really what it comes down to is, is we've talked about uh, the fact that generosity is something that naturally comes out of love. That's why you see parents and grandparents that, that are so utterly generous with their kids and grandkids. It's because it's a, a way of loving others. And, and we see that, that God loved us so much that he was exceedingly generous for us. We look around at this world, we see a broken world. We see a, a world without hope or a world that maybe we think has hope if only everything would change, you know? We, we read uh, the newspaper or magazines or watch TV or look on social media, and I think every single one of us comes out of those things and says there's a problem. Things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. Because see, humanity and the world is broken. God created a world, called it very good, and then human beings determined that we would reject God, reject his design. And every time that you walk out of God's design for this world, his design for you, it's called sin, and sin brings brokenness. And we can't get out of our brokenness. I know many people have tried. I know that, that, that myself, I've, I've tried. And what, what does it do when you try under your own strength to get out of that place? It snaps you back after a while. And it just brings more brokenness and more pain. But the great truth of the gospel is, is that God loved you so much, he chose to be exceedingly generous and gave himself. He came to earth in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless, perfect, innocent life, and for his troubles was tortured and crucified and died. But the truth is, is that on that cross, he took upon himself all of my sin, all of your sin, all the sin of the world. He took it to the cross and paid the price for it. And he says, listen, if you will only place your trust in me, then you are forgiven. And that's not where the story ends either. Jesus overcame death three days later. He rose victorious over sin, death, and Satan. And because of that, now he offers to us life. He offers to us hope. He offers to us expectation that though the world still continues on in pain, in suffering, in brokenness, that we can do something to make it a better place and that Jesus's work isn't done yet because he'll come back soon and finish what he started. That's the truth of the gospel. God loved each of us so much, what? That he gave. 
he gave. And that's why Christians, in response, following Christ's example, and because of all that we have been given, stand with open hands. And so today what I want to talk to you briefly about is three principles of biblical financial generosity. Three principles. Are we in for that? If you decide that you don't like it, it's okay. I'm only speaking for another 12 or 15 minutes, all right? So, so not, not too long left to go. So the first principle is this. You should regularly give generously. Regularly give generously. And my slides are not working properly, but that's all right. I know what I'm saying, sort of. We oftentimes treat, want to treat giving as something that we do when we feel like it. Right, have, have you been there? Right, I, I've got extra, I've got some left over, so now I'll give. We've been there, right? But what's interesting is that that's not the picture that we see in Scripture. We see that there are times where there is an abundance of generosity called for in you know, extenuating circumstances, but we also see that the early Christians were very, very generous people. In fact, one of the first instances that were, were shown of the church is a picture of church people doing whatever was necessary to support one another. And so there were people that were actually selling property in order to be able to feed those that had nothing, to clothe those that had nothing, to support the, the ministries of those that were, were going out. And what we see is Paul writes to the, the church in Corinth, he writes this, he says, on the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. He says, we're going to do this regularly. We're, we're going to do it on a regular basis. It's going to be a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice. Now, in, in this culture, it, it makes a lot of sense to do things weekly in, in the culture that Paul was writing to because people got paid daily or weekly. It wasn't like we do today where most people are paid bi-weekly or monthly or, or whatever it may be. And, and so the, the principle really here is when you are given to, you give. When you're given to, you give. It really comes down to actually the principle of first fruits, not just of regular giving. The principle of first fruits. Oftentimes, I know I've done this in, in my, my life, giving to God becomes a what do I have left over? Have you ever been there? Giving to God becomes a, what do I have left over? And, and so it, it may be that you have a really tight month, and, and so you've saved up what you wanted to give, and then you start going, well, I actually need to take some of that back. You been there? Right? Or you're, you're, you go, you know, that thing I wanted was on sale, but if I don't tithe this month, then it's all good. I'll, I'll be able to make it through if, you, if you've been there. Right? It's this principle of first fruits, of giving God the greatest that we have. Of giving to him in faith, not that, oh, I've got some extra, so here we go. But saying, God, I trust that you are going to provide for me. And so here, before everything else has come out, I'm giving my best to you. Proverbs is a book filled with wise sayings on how to live life. And this is one of the things that we see. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, I, I want you to notice something here. 
This says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. At this point, you don't actually know how much you're going to have. You don't actually know if everything's going to work out all right, because this is just the first part of your crops that you're giving to God. But when you do that, the writer of Proverbs says, your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That is the principle of first fruits. But here's how we like to live our lives. We like to do, I don't know, second fruits, last fruits. We think to ourselves, if our barns are overflowing and if our vats are brimming over with new wine, then I will give God something. But that's not what we're told. We're told that the cause and effect is giving brings blessing. Giving brings blessing. See, too many of us live our lives like the rancher who who had a cow that gave birth to two bulls and, and he knew that they were valuable and he decided that he, he really wanted to just thank God for this wonderful blessing he'd received. And, and so he, he and his wife determined that they were going to give one of these bulls to God when it got older. They'd sell it at, at market and they would give the money to a missionary that they uh, were supporting. And so, uh, you know, he would raise these bulls and he took care of them. But one day one of them got sick. And he became kind of concerned about this until a week or two later, the farmer or rancher came in to the house and he took off his hat and he said, well, honey, I've got bad news. The Lord's bull just died. But that's, that's how we oftentimes live our lives too, right? Things aren't going well. And so we say, well, God, physical things first. Well, God, you don't get the first fruits this time. And so that's the reason why there's this idea of giving regularly is because if you're giving regularly, then your first fruits can stay your first fruits. Embry and I have our accounts set up so that the money that we're going to give to God actually comes out the same day that we get the money in. And there's a very specific reason why we do that. And it's not a legalistic thing. It's something that we chose to do because we desire to honor God with the first fruits of all that we have. And so this way, money come in that's gone. I don't have a choice anymore. I can't backpedal. I, I'm going to be faithful because I've set that up ahead of time to just say, I'm going to be faithful. So the first principle is giving regularly. Second principle is this. You should give in proportion to your income. In proportion to your income. Let's read what we read before again, but we're going to read it in the NIV this time because I think it makes it more clear. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. In keeping with your income. Paul didn't go out and say, you know what, guys? No matter where you're at at life, here is the dollar figure or here is the percentage that you need to put into the pot to support the work that is going on. And in this case here, they were actually dealing with a, a severe famine in Judea. And so as the, the Gentile or non-Jewish church, they were receiving a collection, not only for their church, but also to go out to support the people of Judea, the church that was struggling there. And so quite often, it's, our giving is about helping others who are not in a good place. And we'll talk about that in a second. But what he's saying is, he's saying, in keeping with your income. Listen. 
when we look at a percentage or when we look at a certain amount, what ends up happening is those that have very little become stressed beyond what they can bear. And those that have much, it's just a drop in the bucket. There's a story that Mark tells us about Jesus. It says this, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. But then a widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. It, it's a weird thing. Imagine that you've got all these people, they're coming in with bags of money. You know, this is the picture that you got to have in your, your head, you know, slinging these big sacks of money over being like, hey guys, look at me. Ugh. Yeah, I'm righteous. I'm spiritual. And then you can imagine this, this little old lady, she comes in, she's got two little pennies and, and all these people are just sitting there like, that's what I gave. What do you got? And clink, clink, couple little copper pennies. And Jesus says, you don't get it. This woman just gave more than all of you guys because in proportion to her income, while it may not have been wise, she gave it all. And you guys, you're going around, you're rolling in, in just wealth galore. And you just, you gave these big things and you want everyone to, to pat you on the back and to say, well done. But you've just given a drop in the bucket of your wealth. So he says, don't, don't get so high and mighty about this. Because this woman has given more than you have in God's eyes. See, it's, it's not about who can write the big checks. It's, it's not. To God, it's not about that. It's about who comes before him, honoring him in the way that they feel led to give. Honoring him in the way that they feel led to give. The fact of the matter is, is that this is, this is a freeing concept, but it's also a challenging concept. I mean, it's any time that we talk about money, it, it's challenging. I know. Talk about other things. People are like, yes! Talk about money. People are going, why did I show up today? right? This is, this is freeing and challenging, but it's for your, bene, for your betterment. Paul uh, says to the Corinthians, of course, I don't mean that your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. It's not running around saying, listen, I, I want you to be just in complete and utter financial depravity so that we're all on the same platform here. That, that's not what he's saying. He's saying there are those that need help. There is ministry that needs to happen. And so those that have much right now can give much with the knowledge that when you are going through a difficult time, Others in that circle, those that you have helped and have gotten back onto their feet, or others in the church that are of means, are going to help you out in your hour of need too. We're here for one another. We're here for one another. So we come to the place of needing to understand that the percentage isn't something that I'm going to say, this is what you need to give. But what you give is in proportion to your income according to how God lays it on your heart. Finally, the third principle is you reap how you sow. Now, you've all probably heard you reap what you sow, right? I, I don't believe in that. You reap how you sow. Okay, there, there's a difference there. 
you reap how you sow. Listen, listen to what Paul says. Remember that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, what he's not saying here is that if you give a million dollars, you're going to get a million dollars, or if you give $10, you're going to get $50, or any of these types of things that the so-called prosperity gospel likes to tell us. You know, this, this idea that, that we're going to multiply what we have by pretending to be generous, even though it's all about how it's going to make us more comfortable in the end. That, that's a false gospel. That's preached by those who literally are trying to get people to give them so much money that they can afford three jets and, and all of that kind of stuff. And we do not condone that. The Bible does not condone that. In fact, I believe it breaks God's heart when people preach that way. But that doesn't mean that we are not blessed when we give. See, we don't reap what we sow. That's not the universal principle but we do reap how we sow. If, if we're somebody that just holds on to it all and we say, this is all mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. I, I'm not going to help that person. I'm not going to give to that thing there. I feel like God wants me to give, but no. Then we're going to reap sparingly as well. But, but if we sow generously, if we give generously, what you will find is that many blessings begin to come back on us. We talked a couple of weeks ago about Jesus saying that uh, Store up for yourself treasure in heaven, right? Where, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. It's this idea that storing up your treasure in heaven by doing good things, by living for God, that it's eternal. That, that giving now in this short period of time in, in comparison to eternity, should have left the rope on stage from last week, then I could have done it again. But this, this, this big thing of eternity versus our life now that we can store up for all of that by giving in this is a, a heavenly principle. When you bless others, you will be blessed in heaven and also on earth. Again, this isn't me saying that if you give $10, you'll get $10 or $20. Or th it, that's not the way that works. But what I have found in my experience and in the experience of many others, is that those who live life generously with open hands to the things that God gives them, who give of their time, who give of their finances, with generosity, they reap a reward in kind on this earth as well. Perhaps you say a nice word to someone. Maybe it results in a smile. Maybe it results in them standing up for you in the future. Maybe it results in a smile back. Maybe it results in you being in a difficult time and them reminding, remembering that smile and giving you something to help you through that difficult time. I don't know. It's funny. The world is called this karma when really it's actually God reaping blessings on those who sow generously. My experience is, is that he does. In fact, this is what Jesus said. He said, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you give back. Find that God gives the most blessing to those that he understands will give back of that blessing. 
those who, when they are given to and receive something, they go, God, how can I use this for you? I understand. I understand that this topic isn't most people's favorite topic. There's always the weird person in the room that thinks that this is the greatest topic that could possibly be preached on ever. But it has to be spoken because it's, it's a biblical truth. It's a biblical principle, and it, it ties so tightly to how we live our lives and how our heart is set. Let me point out to you the reality of where we're at as a nation. North America has so much wealth that if only 1% of North American Christians um, gave, or sorry, if, if North America's Christians only gave just a single percent to the 1 billion most impoverished people in the world, it would bring those 1 billion people out of their extreme poverty. That's what statisticians tell us, is that the wealth of North Americans is so great that each North American Christian giving 1% overseas, if the money was handled properly, that it would take the poorest 1 billion out of extreme poverty. The fact is, we think that we're poor at times, and we look at, at the majority of our poor, and we go, man, they have nothing. But to us, most of our poor still have houses, still have cars, still have the latest iPhone, cable television, internet, all these things. They put food on the table. And so, friends, what I'm trying to point out to you is that even when we think that we have nothing, in fact, in the world's scope, we have much. We think that we're poor, but we're not. In fact, in proportion to what we have, we give very little compared to the rest of the world. Let me close with this. When I was taking my Bachelor of Arts in Religion, uh, I had a component where I needed to go overseas for a while, and so I went to Guatemala with my, uh, my uh, leader, my internship overseer. And while we were in Guatemala, we, we ministered at a particular church. Now, this wasn't a, a church like you think of a church, you know, a white, white steeple or what, whatever kind of country little church you're thinking or some big kind of complex that you go to. In, in fact, this was one of those churches where it looked more like a warehouse. And in fact, we visited with the pastor at his home first. And as we walked into his home, he had concrete floors. You had to slide a padlocked metal door away to get into his home. His son and his daughter shared the same room with a pull-away curtain down the center. And to just bring it across a little bit more, if you wanted to use the bathroom, you had to walk out an open door. There was no door in the doorway to the side of a cliff where there was a log set up so that you could hang your butt over the cliff to go to the bathroom. Poor. So we went to this church and we ministered at this church. I sang, played guitar. Uh, my internship supervisor, he preached with a translator. At the end of service, did their whole thing. End of service, the pastor comes up to us with an envelope. And he says, my congregation wanted to give you today's offering. Now understand, this envelope was heavy because it was filled with a bunch of coins, Guatemalan coins. There was maybe $10 Canadian in this envelope. 
But to them, it was their offering. And, and we were taken aback. We were like, I, I can't do that. I can't take that from you. I don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. We're supposed to be blessing you. And that the pastor looked us square in the eyes and said, do not steal our blessing. Do not steal our ability to give. This isn't about you. It's about them feeling the desire in their hearts from God to be generous to you. Those that had nothing gave to those who had much. And yet, how often do we complain about giving little out of our excess? I think this world would be a very different place if God's people truly began to allow God to choose how generous we are. If we didn't see this as a legalistic thing, if we didn't see this as a, I got to get to 10% because that's the gold standard, or as a, well, I'm at 10%, no further, because that's the standard. But if instead we began to realize that it's all God's and he tells us, what he wants us to give. We are managers, not owners. So today, if you're with me, here's what I want us to do. With an honest and open heart, regularly ask Jesus to tell you how much to give back to him. Come to him and just say, what do you want me to give, Lord? And it could be that if you're not giving right now, he might say, you know what, I get it, you don't have a lot of money, but why don't you do 1%? I do 1% in faith. See what I do. Maybe it's, it's not even going to be a percentage. It could be that, that God comes and, to you and he, he just says, well, what I want you to do is I want you to set aside this much and when the time comes, you'll know it. I want you to use that. Maybe you're at 10% and as you're praying, God might challenge you. He might say, I want you to make it 12. I don't know. That's the great adventure of following God is that he knows our needs. He supplies for our needs, but he also challenges us to live with open hands and open hearts. Friends, what do you believe? Do you trust that God has given and he can take away? Do you trust that God provides for our needs and cares for us through his blessings and through the help of people in your hour of need? Maybe, just maybe, it's time to start acting like stewards of someone else's resources and saying, God, how do you want me to give? Heavenly Father, today I just thank you for the opportunity to be generous people. In this place right now, Lord, will you begin your work of speaking to us about how you want us to give? Lord, help us to not be Scrooges, to not think of it all as ours and stockpile things while the world hurts around us, but help us to be people with generous hearts who say, Lord, it's yours. How do you want me to use it? Change our attitudes on life. Be with us each day. In Jesus' name.
Maybe you're listening and you've been seeking Jesus for a while, trying to make sense of who he is and what he's all about. I want you to know that God in his infinite love has been pursuing you. God wants to have a life-giving relationship with you. But the fact is that every person is born with a rebellious heart and is separated from the life that only comes through a true relationship with their creator. So God did something magnificent. He knew that we could not repair the broken relationship ourselves, so he came to us. And we're told that while we were still sinners in active rebellion against God, Jesus Christ died for us. In John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So, if you're ready to have that newfound life through a relationship with Jesus, I'd like to invite you to pray a prayer with me, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Master and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. As you dedicate your life to following Christ Jesus, you will receive forgiveness for your sins and you will be adopted into the family of God. Let's pray. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve the consequences of my sin. However, I'm trusting in your Son, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. I believe that his death and resurrection provided for my forgiveness. I trust in Jesus and Jesus alone as my Master and my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and forgiving me. Help me to leave my old ways behind and to live as you would have me live from this time forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer from your heart, I want to welcome you into the family of God. Your next step is to connect with a local church so that you can be shown how to grow in this new relationship with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week for more Bible-based encouragement.